Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest to RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. In our main podcast episodes, we discuss D&D 5e's core rules and ever-expanding content, while also showcasing other RPG systems and bringing you fresh, new projects from indie content creators. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world you're playing in, because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Welcome, everybody, to Patreon Actual Play Session Number so to give a brief recounting of how last session ended for some of you, we are joined today with Alari and Candy and Zir and Kess, who at the end of last session planted a mysterious seed that they had received into the, the corpse of a long dead hag. That seed grew into a tree with a doorway in it, and you walked through the doorway as the session ended. And that is the last thing that your four characters know. We're going to start first with our new player. And is it Zexa or how do we pronounce your name? Excellent. Fabulous. So Ziza, tell us a little bit about the background of your character first of all, but stay away from physical descriptions so that uh, we know kind so that I know where your character is from. Okay. So my character is a sorcerer who is has gets his sorcerer's power from his wasn't just directly started with him, but from his father. And his father had was in some sort of there was some sort of a disastrous event with his village that ended up killing a lot of people, a lot of family and friends. And in in that whatever it was, he was that was the start of the sorcerer's power that he was imbued with this magical power, which was then passed down to me. And so he is specifically, I guess I hope I can say, a clockwork soul sorcerer. And so his father started to become obsessed with the idea of, he, he felt very guilty, he was he couldn't protect his family, his friends, and he became obsessed with the idea of being able to go back and help them or to try and protect the people around him now. And uh, that's how then I'm mixing in the clockwork idea cool. of this kind of obsession with time and, and different elements of order. Which then he, Ziza grew up with, and learning those uh, all that information and studying with his father of trying to harness this power as well. Brilliant, excellent. So I need you to please give me a D eight roll. Okay. Seven. 
seven. As you are, as you're walking through the town or village that you're from, familiarizing yourself with with sites that you used to know and settings that you used to know before the disaster struck, you are suddenly and uncharacteristically surrounded by uh, by some sort of parade or celebration. It just like envelops you, comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And when the chaos dies down, you find yourself standing with the four people that I've already mentioned and somebody else that we're going to meet in a second. What was the celebration about? about? Describe it for me. I think this celebration was an annual thing that, that happens in this village of particular, I, I don't know, just a, just a, kind of like an annual festival that they have. Just like every year, certain towns will have different like fairs or things like that where just the people are, it's just a time for the town to come together and try to celebrate different things and be together. Is it generally a, a commemoration of something happy or sad or what's the general atmosphere of the celebration? I, I think it stemmed from originally that there was this uh, sort of calamitous event in the past. And so it's, but it's not meant to be sad. It's meant to be a replacement of celebrating the joys of yeah. of what we do have today and then rebuilding from that. Awesome. That's brilliant. And so we will get to where you find yourself in just a moment, but it is as if the world that you know is gone and you find yourself right. in a new location. So, Anon, now we turn to you. So you are still in Candlekeep, attending to the studies that you went there originally, and you are in the cell that has been afforded to you by the library when there is a knock on the door, and one of the attendants of the library lets you know that there is a package for you. He hands you a small wooden box. It's wrapped in a silver ribbon, and there is a tag on it that says, A gift from a friend from afar. Please enjoy this tea that I have made for you, Simeon. What do you do with the box? It's very favorite. Yeah. In fact, as you open it and the scent of the tea, it's a very, it's a very earthy kind of, but not heavy. That there's a, there is a surprising lightness to it. And as you inhale the tea, you feel, you start to feel a little lightheaded. In fact, it's almost like it's a very intoxicating aroma. And uh, you know, but you're deep into it and feel, feel surrounded by it. And when you open your eyes, you find yourself standing on a bridge with the five other people in the room here, four of whom you recognize. So we turn now back to Alari and Candy and Kess and Zir. As you walked through the bolt hole in that tree, you may have expected to find yourself in some other location, but found yourself on a 15-foot wide paving stone finely architected bridge and about 15 feet in front of you the bridge has for the most part collapsed and the the end of the bridge or the other end of the bridge rather across this gap is is hundreds of feet away and disappears into a, a dense fog that sits over this fetid swamp that is 25 feet or so below you from this bridge. And the bridge has uh, several sort of staircases and ladders and things to descend down into, into the swamp. But all of you, through the events that we just described, find yourself here at the same moment in time. Alari, let's start with you, please. Uh, reactions and conversation, please. Okay, so did it work? Did I put the seed in the skull? We went through the door. Do we know if it worked? 
This one presumes that the Fae was not totally lying about that. In fact, actually, I'm going to pause you for all for just a second here, because, again, with Ziza having never met any of you before, let's go around and describe what your characters look like. And he's Ziza, this Is he, he now is here. there? Oh, Ziza okay. is now here. So let's actually, let's, so let's, so Ziza, d- now describe your appearance, please. Uh, noticeable racial or lineage characteristics, clothing, that sort of thing. Sure. Ziza is about five foot tall and just slender, male, green eyes, about shoulder length, brown hair, like light tan skin. Out of his hair, you can see like bits of a little bit of pointy ears and noticing that he's a half elf. And he has pretty basic clothing on, not no armor, no, just a, almost looks like a commoner even just in, in terms of his clothes. A light crossbow slung across his shoulder. You can notice a couple daggers around his waist and then a some sort of like chain also in, in one of his pockets. Fabulous. Candy, would you describe your character, please? Candy is about a six foot tall, very slender, wears scale mail armor and carries a great sword that's about the same size that he is. He has a very kind of elongated alien-like skull with yellow, more than jaundiced yellow skin and kind of the flat nasal cavities. He is a Githyanki. Cass, would you describe your character, please? Okay, Cass is small and slight, about four feet tall, black skin, very dark black skin, white hair, a drow elf, very light on her feet, straight hair sticking out, and carries herself like a martial artist. Fabulous. Anon, would you describe your character, please? Anon is a 6'3", mottled brown skin, bright clear green eyes, um, rather large in size, easily over 400 pounds. Excellent. Ever equipped on his back is his uh, small uh, backpack and his trusty spear on a leather belt around his waist, where approximately his waist would be. Fabulous. Alarai. It will have, you'll notice right away that Alarai's eyes are darting back and forth between the person she knows and on, and she hasn't seen him in a while, and this new person. She's a seven foot tall, I would say medium brown skin, Furbolg, with very shaggy purple hair, very bright blue eyes. She's wearing leathers. You can tell by the way that she carries herself, even though she's she's seven foot, she's so large, that she's always, or at least tries to be always aware. She's got a number of daggers and a short sword at her side, but she's you can see the light in her eyes when she glances at Anan, and then there's suspicion in her eyes when she looks at Ziza. Zizir, if you would describe your character, please, so that we can get the full descriptions out. Yes, Zir is a female human, about five foot eight, strawberry blonde, brown, sort of multiple tinted hair, noticeably carrying like daggers and things, and some musical instruments, small ones like pipes. Excellent. Something else that is curious. So for the four of you that were here last time, not only have Anon and this stranger now appeared, but Kilvarax, who was with you, is no longer with you. He walked through the doorway, just as you did, but he is no longer with you. He has been replaced somehow by these two other characters. 
What is this fey devilry? Where, what is this? Who are you people? Who are you? What, where, what in the world? Where are we? What is this place? Inan, do you know this one? This is quite some tea Simeon has sent me. I believe I am having some type of episode. That's great, but where, what, what's going on? Why'd you bring me here? We... Who are you and what did you do with Kilvarax? Kil... I don't know. Kilvarax... Who is that? I, who are you? What are you guys doing here? Where were you before you came here? I was just walking. I was just in my village. Just living my life. We must have words with the silver man. <laughs> He's just going, who, what, why, heh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Ziza, as Alari says the name the silver man and you in your confusion and everything like that, that name for some reason strikes a chord with you. And you remember when your village was going through its calamity, when you were a child, there were the Teamsters Guild that was trying to bring supplies to you and everything like that. On one particular day, you happened to be at the area where the shipping and receiving was being received. And there was a very fine human-looking man with long silver hair, looked at you in, in such a way that his face has become like indelible in your mind. And as Alari and Candy say that they must have words with the silver man, that face, for some reason, appears in your mind again, as if a memory, as if, as if that is the only person that you could possibly think of that could be referred to as the silver man. Wait a minute, did you say the Silver Man? Yes. The that... creature, who it turns out, is a Lord of the Fae. And Candy definitely spits out the word Fae. Ziza's, like, eyes are kind of, like, darting around. Like, you can see the cogs turning in his brain of, like, his thinking and remembering. So I, wait a minute, I know that. I know him. I don't know him, but I think I know who that is. Is he here? Inan, though it is odd, it is good to see you again. Did Would you care for a hardened confection? I believe I've had enough. Did Simeon send you some tea as well? Candy holds out like a bag of ribbon candy. Inan, as this discussion is going back and forth, and as you're thinking on the box of tea that arrived, I need you to give me, please, a d20 roll. Nine. Nine. Fabulous. There's something about the way the ribbon looks and the way the writing on the card that was received with your tea looks that reminds you of someone that you met. You were you were at a tavern once in part of your wanderings, and there was a bard at the tavern who was producing these miraculous images on parchment and things without uh, without putting pen to paper. And he would sing these songs as he was weaving with ink, as he would call it. Um, what was your general takeaway of his performance? What was, how did you think he was? Was he any good? That kind of thing. Truly a wonderful performance. It must be a lot of time spent mastering such such a skill, although rather useless in the realms of survival. 
I would like to live a life someday where I could perhaps experience that again. And much like Ziza, as they start talking about the Silver Man, and it is your, this face again is indelible in your mind as if this is the only individual that possibly could be one described as the Silver Man. And this face has lived long in the back of your memory ever since that day. Yeah, I think at first Ziza was looking around pretty frantic, probably scared, you could tell. But as you say the Silver Man, and as he's remembering and thinking, it starts to settle a little bit. Yeah, the Silver Man yeah. settles so Kess, a little bit as he's standing there. Kess has been pondering and says to Ziza, wait a minute. Did you meet the Silver Man in your village? And has your village been damaged or destroyed in some way? Y- yeah, yeah, it was a long time ago, but yeah. How do you know? Welcome to the club. Wait, are you from my village? No, no. But we know some things about what's been happening. Okay, so are we, are, this is, you guys know the Silver Man, are we, are, he brought us, he brought you here? He brought me here? What? He brought us here. We've done an errand for him. Some of us have done an errand for him. And we need probably to get back to him to figure out what we need to do next. It do we recognize where we're at? That the tree should have brought us back to him. That's what I would have thought. What I mean uh, is, I think you just got elected to help us save the world. What? Or voluntold. Okay. Uh, okay. Kind of processing that is pretty big. Uh, but hold out the bag of ribbon candy to Ziza. <laughs> Would you care for a hardened confection? Is it good? Yes. I'll pop a piece in my mouth. Guess looks at you and yeah. says no. <laughs> Alar eyes behind Candy going. Yeah, he was, so he was like reaching out and then heard Kess say no. And then it's just, but now it's like stuck in between. Like he already reached his hand out. And so he can't really pull back either. So he like grabs it. And it's all just, I'm going to, he's like holding it up in the air. Like I'm going to. I'm going to keep it for when I'm really hungry. I just ate right before I came here. So. <laughs> as soon, as, soon like, as you touch like it, glancing, he already is turning to talk to Alari again. <laughs> Alari, to answer your question from earlier, no, you don't recognize where you are. It's like being on the ocean at low tide, right? It has that sort of smell of, of corrupted salt air and that sort of thing. Also rising from the swamp is a discordant symphony of of croaking frogs and water birds and things like that. So there definitely seems to be wildlife down below. But the smell is amazing, even up here. Send my owl down to fly into the fog a little bit and see what's down there. Yep. So again, he can get right down to to the water level on the swamp, and he's all manner of things. There are puddles. Reach out of, and put my hand on Inan's shoulder, and my eyes roll back into my head, and it's just the white. There are puddles of of fetid water. There are frogs and, and everything like that, and you also see like small snakes like slithering through through the water and the mud and everything like that from down below. You also see there are are large patches of like swamp grass that are just littered with with butterflies and moths and all sorts of that are in a variety of of different and bright colors what is your passive perception not good 11 11 i don't know Um, if the owls would be better 
It probably would be, given the owl's sight here. One thing in particular that you notice about on that swamp grass with the butterflies and the moths is that there are, as you look at it, there are distinctly two, maybe two families of creatures that are in there. There are there are creatures which are silvery with with black lines running through their wings and then there are others which are larger and have purple and black fuzzy bodies and they have fern-like antenna tipped with white and like eight legs that end in kind of a hooked pearly claw and they're significantly larger than the silver and black butterflies that you see i'll be relaying this as i'm observing it excellent bizarre wildlife humongous Insects with hooked feet, strange colorations. This one presumes we have stepped from one realm of the Fae to another. Perhaps the realm of the next hag we must confront. He's like looking around. Is this or in the Fae? Yes. Yep. <laughs> she shuts him down. <laughs> what business do we have with the Fae? It's honestly, it started with Simeon. We went to go and investigate the city, and apparently, they were trying to push Simeon and his companions, us, to go see the Silver Man and then we walked through a mirror and here we there we were but this is not where we were this is not where we were it sounds as if there is a quite a tale to tell uh, friend of Lori. perhaps when we are not standing in the middle of the swamp we can recount it josh whenever my owl is done i will drop back into body yep that's he probably flies out 100 150 feet or so the other thing that the owl sees scattered throughout the landscape are these maybe 10 foot wide they look like stone wells that are maybe like five feet tall about 10 feet wide at the opening and they're full of water and the uh, the water level rises and falls in them almost as if they are like regulating somehow like the well that we saw in the Chateau Brantifax realm? In, only in the fact that it is a well. It's not like a, it, a well is maybe a, maybe the wrong word. It, like a, it looks like a stone column that's embedded into the ground. And But it's as opposed to being filled with muck and silt and plants and everything like that, it seems to just be filled indeed with water. And again, the stone rises probably about five feet above the surrounding ground. And the opening in it is about, about 10 feet wide. Is Candy still leaning on Anon for support? If my owl is back, then he would not be. We'll say that the owl, the owl flies back with that, uh, with that information also. Friend Candy returns to us. It is quite bizarre out there in the swamp. This... So we're on a broken bridge in a swamp. Above a swamp. I love... I love this place we've come to. I can't wait to discover what other fun things are in store. Ziza, you really joined us at the right time. This realm of yours is always full of interesting sights and smells. So where do we just start walking? What do you guys... 
don't know. Do we have specific instructions? Who was the next hag on his list? I only remember getting instructions on the one we just did. Ibetria. Correct. I know that there's four sisters and we who grant her their their powers, but I don't know where to find the other three. Really, I'm surprised she hasn't come to us. And maybe that's what's going on. Maybe she's making us come to her. Is there... Candy, was there anything around besides Swamp? Are we just smack just dab in the middle of nowhere? or These strange stone columns filled with water. Perhaps they are a path... Josh, do they seem to be sequential or were they scattered? They are, they don't seem to be sequential. They're scattered throughout. The other thing that you can make out from up here, as you kind of look to where the causeway would stretch to, and you can barely sort of see the other broken half in the distance disappearing into the fog, there does seem to be a hill of some type off in the fog there. Yeah, that seems, that's really the only characteristic that you can see beyond the swamp here from up here. Roughly how this broken causeway that we're Mm -hmm. on, like just a drop-off cliff, are there like patches or columns that we can get across? No, there there isn't. The bit between where you are and the next part is hundreds of feet away. The extent of, but the only thing that you can find to go ahead and progress from where you are is a staircase that kind of leads off to the right that descends down to the floor of the swamp, about 25, 30 feet below you. How far is it to where the next bit of stable or solid bridge is. How big's the gap? Yeah, 150, 200 feet. It's quite far. There seems to be a large chunk of the uh, the bridge missing. Even with my prodigious leaping abilities, I could not get that far. Perhaps the stairs are the only option. Kess says plaintively, I really hate getting my feet stuck. Ziza, there must be some reason you're here. What are you good at? What can you- I I have some magic I can do. We'll see, I try to help people, try to protect people if I can, but I don't know, I didn't bring like a boat. Can you do anything to make the mud less muddy or less smelly? Less smelly, maybe, no. I really don't want to go He's down. Like, no, I don't. There's mud. I don't know. I don't think I can. Kess do looks around. With that. Anyone? It's disgusting down there. The only thing. Well, you that could always ride on my shoulder. Could do is try to obliterate it with a tidal wave. Kess says, "Thanks, Alari. Who likes the tidal wave idea?" I don't know. Someone does. Not Sam. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a response. Mine are going nuts a minute ago, so that's why I was like, that doesn't, that's in my, he- no, wait, no, that's, that's not mine. That's mine. <laughs> no. Rather than. It's too cold out here for mine, so. Yeah. Rather than spraying swamp water all over everything's cast, perhaps a turtleback ride is in order. That also sounds like a good idea. And on the upside. If there's anything that needs to be kicked, I won't have my feet stuck, and I'll be in position. You have always been the most 
perceptive. Perhaps you should lead. Do we know how deep it is? Can we walk? Do we have to swim? Is it... We are about to that guy's find like... out. Maybe you need a ride, too, Ziza. Yeah. Maybe. I... Can you do that? No. So should we go down the stairs? Check it, start, at least check it out a little closer? Maybe see how deep it is? I'm gonna head down the stairs. Yeah, I follow. But just to be safe, I'm gonna have my short sword out. Yep, and fair enough. I will go immediately behind Alari. I'm going to leap up on Alari's shoulders, and I'm all ready to do perception checking. My senses are on alert. Fabulous. And I have my long sword. Fabulous. So when you when you guys get down to the bottom of the stairs, Alari and Candy, you notice that the water is even... So you are taller than the average bear, for sure. But the water for you guys uh, probably comes up about, like, mid-thigh or so. It is definitely sticky walking, but you don't see any reason why you wouldn't be able to keep your normal movement rate. You think it'd probably be a bigger deal if you try to, like, run or sprint or dash or that sort of thing. But normal walking, as long as you're careful, you can maintain your, your normal walking rate. And you surmise that for people that are maybe shorter than you are, that the water wouldn't be any higher than, like, just below their knee. So it's like calf height on me. Yeah, exactly. It's like like mid-calf, exactly. Okay. And I'm going to ask for, so Kess, since you specifically said that you're trying to be perceptive, I'm going to ask for you and for Alari to give me, please, a nature check. Nature? Please. That would be 18 for me. Fabulous. 15, 15 for me. Cool. So as you step down the bottom of the stairs there, again, one of these large passes of swamp grass is off to the side there. The ones that uh, that Candy's owl described with the, with these butterflies that are silver with black wings, and then these larger moth-type creatures with dark purples and black and, and their wings and everything like that. You find it, as you're kind of thinking about it, it you find it very unusual that... Uh, that moths and butterflies are in the same spot. Cohabitating is the wrong word, but in in the same area, seemingly doing the same thing. And Kess, in particular, because of the success that you had on your check, as you really look at it, that kind of strange thought occurs to you. Wait a minute. Why are there both butterflies and moths in the same area? You notice that they are they are actually fighting with one another. That they are definitely antagonistic to each other. So I say aloud, but quietly, to Alari, Wait, is it day or is it night? Why are the butterflies and moth out at the same time? You did describe like a twilight, right? It's like twilight, correct. Okay. Maybe the butterflies are going to go to bed soon? Wherever butterflies bed? This place is weird. There's weird going on between them. They're fighting. Now, you did say this silver man. Did he have the livery, like a uniform or anything when you saw him? When this one initially encountered him, he was merely proselytizing at the Dawn Father's temple. I was just curious because silver butterflies versus purple butterflies... 
Maybe the it's like some little army. Had occurred. Maybe there's little tiny fae that fight each other. I don't know. Candy. Give me, please. I guess Arcana would be the best bet. Give me an Arcana check, please. Rolled like crud, but managed to get an 18. Cool. So you have all surmised at this point that you are most likely in another fey realm at this point. The purple and black moths. They have that sort of characteristic of not being from here, where you are. They just don't, they don't seem to fit in. But the silver butterflies do? Yes. They seem much more, it's almost there's a spectrum, right? Where, where there are, there are things that are from here and there are things that are not from here, right? They are much closer to the from here side of that spectrum than, than where the, they are much more from here than the purple and black mods are. How's that? Connection to serve. Oh, goody. They fit in. This is their crowd. <laughs> Ziza, are you, how are you stepping off of the staircase into the muck here or how's your so, character acting? Yeah. So have people like stepped into it? Can I see, like, the general height? Like, I can gauge... Calorai has. She's okay. in it. Comes can... up to just past Candy's knee. If you're six feet tall, it would be, it'd be, like, mid-calf. So I'm, I'm like, five. Somewhat like Aziz is five. Yeah, yeah. Oh. so it'd probably be, it'd probably be like, you like know, up, up to your, about your knee or so. Yeah. Knee. Okay. Yeah. Press yeah, looks round at Ziza and says, Maybe you should ride on Inan. Ziza is, like... A little bit hesitant just because he doesn't really know you guys all. Seems like you guys all know each other. But he's like, is that okay, uh, Anon? Is it? Anon will take a knee. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's like, all right. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Um, and he goes to, to climb on as well. Okay. And Kess and Alari, with your observations about the, the butterflies and the moths, they definitely seem distracted with each other. They're not, uh, they don't seem to be paying much attention to you all. Are you doing anything to, to interrupt their activity or doing any further investigation or anything like that? Alari's nervous about where this whole thing has been just one big, huge, giant adventure anyway, and she's nervous about getting involved. So she's mm -hmm. no, she's not doing anything in regards to that. Cool. Kess is observing closely. Yeah. Kind of keep an eye trained on them and have the mage hand summoned and use it out in front of Alari, pushing like swamp grass aside and getting a clearer path for her to walk. Yep. So as you do that, in fact, as you push the swamp grass aside, you see a broken post with a with a sign kind of hand painted on it, like lying cockeyed in the mud. Like the post is broken off and the sign is on in the mud next to it. I'm going to pick it up so I can read it. Yep. Can I uh, read it? It, yeah, absolutely. It's in, it is in common and it says, uh, it has two arrows on it and an arrow point ahead says Telemy Hill, T-E-L-E-M-Y, Telemy Hill. And then a, uh, an arrow off to the right, like the Northeast of the sign says Murky Lake, do not go. And I'm assuming that I was able to line it up on the post just to make sure that because if I'm holding it this way and I'm holding it mm -hmm. this way, those sure. are different. Classic. I think, I think that you can give me a... I will definitely assist in trying to match the broken teeth on each sure. end yeah. of the post. 
so give me like a, an intelligence check, Alari. Just a d20 and add your intelligence modifier. What? You don't want to go to a place that says do not go. I should do this. Alari asked, so let's let Alari do it. She's the one holding the sign. <laughs> Alari is having problems because she only rolled a nine. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, you, yeah. you, if I'm assisting, you should have advantage. Yep. You want me to roll Correct. advantage? Okay. So much better. Candy's kind of over your shoulder. So that'll like, no, no, turn the right, left. Yeah. Uh, so Are that'll you be a it 22. Upside down? No, I was. was? <laughs> now it's 22. All right, you feel like you are able to get the posts squared up so that you feel comfortable with uh, the uh, where the directions were pointing. And in fact, the arrow that says Telemy Hill, again, kind of points towards the foggy region where you can see a hill rising. Or you can see a hill through the fog when you're up on the causeway there. And the arrow now points towards that hill. And then the arrow for Murky Lake, do not go, goes again off to the northeast of, of where you're looking. And that... Murky Lake arrow points roughly where? To the right. I mean, to the right. North, to, northeast. To, to the northeast. So if you're like looking at the sign, it's like Is that up off where the, the owl would have scouted. The owl did not go. Did not find okay. the arrow. The owl is sort of like down here in the area where you're at right now. The owl did not report back anything that you would have interpreted as Murky Lake. It's like on the back of Yunnan, like peering over the top of the shell, just and he turns to Cass and he's like, "Are they usually good at this kind of stuff?" It's like watching them turn the signs around and like piece this together and is kind of concerned, but Anon hears you. Go ahead, Anon. Ziza, take inspiration. Anon hears it while you're saying that. It says, we're just along for the ride. And Kess looks back at you and uh, says, you'd think the hill would point at the hill, wouldn't you? I would hope so, but I don't know. This is like the Fae, right? Is this supposed to be weird stuff? And since, since Kess is on my shoulders, I obviously would have heard that because there's only a couple of inches difference between my ears and her ears. <laughs> I'm it just is always just wise gonna... to be leery of the Fey. Alaroy would have just over her shoulder given you just that look, like really. <laughs> really, new guy? Cool. He's also just kind of a little bit spooked in general by just kind of the whole situation, and especially like the murky leg, do not go. And so also, as I as I look at Kess, can I see, I guess, is Kess armored at all? Kess is holding a longsword in one hand, but does not have any armor except for a pair of leather dragon bracers that glow on her forearms. Okay, I, so seeing that and just, I don't know, I'm hoping, is she like within, could I like reach out? Are we both just like on, that I could reach out and touch her? You're on different you know? shoulders. <laughs> right. With me in the I middle. That that's the question, is how close are, yeah, how close, so okay, so, not so only matters Candy, how you're kind of positioning yourself. Are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we're not, I would like to be like, hey, can we move over closer to Kess real quick? I want, can we take a few steps this way? Uh, non will uh, uh, we'll go ahead and comply and start making his way towards uh, Alarai. <laughs> Dig into it now with your heels. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> this space where you're running, like... chomp, 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 chomp. <laughs> I do have proficiency with land animals. And I want to cast mage armor on myself, but then I want to use a sorcery point so I can twin that to, for Kess as well. So, so that would change Kess's AC to 13 plus their dexterity modifier. Depending on what Kess's wisdom modifier is, that might not be better. I don't know. I was going to I don't know. I was trying to yeah. determine, and I didn't want to necessarily ask 
out of game, <laughs> but I don't know. So Kess turns to you and says, Thanks. I feel about the same. But <laughs> Got it. I really Sounds appreciate good. it. But I have it for myself, at least. Yeah. And hey, Kess, Margaret, Kess Magic Kess is, is a, someone who expects other people to be unfriendly, and when they're friendly, they're like friends for life. Okay. We should proceed towards the lake, right? The lake or the, the hill? lake? Candy just grins. The do not go? No, Candy. <laughs> and Alari is going to start moving towards the hill. Okay. I'm assuming everybody else is, is following on here. Yeah. Did I say Candy's going to move towards the hill? I, I'll, obviously, Alari is going to move towards the hill. I'm like, yep. <laughs> no, you go. <laughs> no. Candy will bring his sword up over his shoulder and send the owl out ahead a little bit, but still using the yep. mage hand to push the path aside. Yep, sure. So the owl definitely reports that very much the same as what it saw before. The uh, The floor of the swamp is murky, viscous sludge. The water level varies a little bit. Like uh, For the most part, it's like mid-calf up to knee level, depending on the height of your character. And then sometimes the water is low, so it's just like a mud that you're walking through. The other thing that the owl notices is that some of the things that are swimming through the mud, they look like, like mud sprites, for lack of a better term. So it's not just like snakes and frogs and fish and that kind of thing. There's And again, that's kind of, that kind of scent of low tide. Just Is a bipedal humanoid type sprites or something different? They're mud methods, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. But there's, again, that's just that scent of like low tide just permeates everything. It just, it sees, I'm, I'm not sure how much time you spent near the ocean to get that reference, but I can imagine that if, if you're near like a major river or anything that like has like massive like tidal kind of forces, like that's the same kind yeah. of smell, I would imagine. All right. The other thing that the owl reports, in fact, I need candy for the owl, please. Give me a, like a, start with like, dex, like a dexterity check for the owl. I'm not sure what the owl's stats are, but again, just I like a naked, naked d20 with a deck, with deck fire please that would be a 17 okay cool the owl reports as as it's flying along ahead of you that there are these bubbles of of gas that kind of that, that billow up again like it's a typical swamp the smell of decay and stuff like that when they pop the owl gets some sense of that the gas is not particularly pleasant and that it is it is definitely steering around the gas that emerges from them as long as it doesn't burst into a gout of flame, I think we'll be okay. Who knows, right? Or any very large rats. Yep. And sure enough, as uh, as you're walking along, there is there does seem to be some sort of path of some sort through the muck here. Like at least it's the uh, the swamp grass has been beaten down in some parts. But it's, does it's it very seem to, to maneuver between and around the gas bubbles, or does it? The owl is definitely doing everything that it. No, the owl is definitely. Oh, you mean the path? Yeah. The path. Yeah, no, the, the bubbles are coming up at random at random locations. And, uh, Kat, you had posed the interesting question about what potential state the the swamp is in. Could you just uh, reiterate that question and see if we can get that co- get that conversation started among everybody here as we're trudging through the sludge? Kess turns to Ziza and says, Huh, it looks to me as though there's a tide here. I wonder how high the tide goes. This is nervous small person voice to another small person. If, upon hearing the question, if I look at the bridge structure, how far up the base of the bridge structure do we see water marks or algae mm. or whatnot? 
very interesting question. Give me an investigation check, please. That is going to be a 23. Cool. So based on apparently your expansive knowledge of of engineering in Lakefront, you don't see significant increase in the mud marks or anything like that on the column structure. Maybe a little bit from where you are, but it actually seems that the uh, the water level where it currently is might actually be about as high as it goes up the columns. Um, And the causeway is still set significantly above the floor of the swamp, 25 to 30 feet above the floor of the swamp here. I will relay that and preface it with a story about a battle that the company was involved in in a marshy area where the swamps were rising and falling and how we had to time our charge just right so that we were good at measuring those those ebbs and flows. Kess looks pretty reassured. So as as you all are walking on towards the area that the owl is seeing with these out of like the swamp grassy area where the uh, where the butterflies and the moths were and more where these swamp bubbles are becoming more more commonplace. Let's start with with our pack animal, our companions who are carrying others. So let's start with them. And Anon, talk to me about how you are proceeding through this area. Anon has pulled his spear out and is using it as a walking stick with his right hand as he's slowly moving through, trying to maintain balance. Without shoes, there is an issue of suction as he steps, but there is some resistance as he trolls through the added weight. Makes it a little bit more difficult, but it's not unbearable. Okay. You're doing great, bud. Thanks. (sighs) What about you, Alarai? So Alarai, she's a farm girl, so she is well used to mud and muck so she i would imagine that she knows how to walk through muck without being caught in it or squelching or what have you so she is stepping in that way to so she's not getting caught in it um i don't know if that's exactly where you were going with the question but she is still trying to be sneaky so anytime that her foot does into the muck she's wincing a little bit she's not being horribly sneaky but she's definitely trying to be at least a little quiet okay excellent all right zir talk to me about how you are moving through the muck here growing up along the edge of a lake you know what about water and mucky bits and things like that so she's carefully picking her way along staying close to one of the people who are carrying others so that in case she gets sucked down she can grab hold of somebody and hopefully they can help her get out of any deep holes she gets into. So she's moving carefully, trying not to get in over her depth. Fabulous. I love it. All right. The three of you, please, Arai, Anon, and Zir, could I please get a naked 20 roll with your dexterity modifier? 10 for Anon. 19. Oh, Alarai's got that face. Eight. And that die is going uh, away today. Yep. Remember that roll for me, Alarai, please. Candy, yeah, describe for me how you are moving through the muck and then a d20 roll with your dexterity modifier, please. Candy is a soldier. He's campaigned in all sorts of different types of environments. He tends to be a bull in the china shop most times, but if it comes to needing to be finesseful a little bit, he certainly can. Would this be like a disadvantage because of my armor or just a straight dex? Nope. Nope, just a straight dexterity modifier. 11. Fabulous. So, Alarai, I need, please, a constitution save from you. And you get to roll this one at advantage, because you're quite tall. You said con? Please. 
That'll be a 12. Fabulous. I think that die is cool. going away too. Yeah, 12 is just fine. Large bubble pops like in front of you as you're as you're trying to walk around it. You don't you didn't do anything in particular to go ahead and cause it. It just pops, right? Uh, as bubbles are wont to do. The gas inside is just like super foul. Like it's just like yeah, exactly. It's just really stinky. And Kess, you get a good whiff of it on the way by to... Oh, sorry, Kess, you're... Yeah, you're on Alarai's shoulders, that's right. So Kess, you get a good smell of it on the way by too, but it doesn't it doesn't cause any particular effect or anything like that. It's just, it's not something in particular that you would want to bathe in or anything. So it's just, so it's just it's that swampy gnarly. methane smell. Give me a nature check. 15. Cool. It definitely has that swampy methane smell. There is also a, oh, like a quirky lightness to it that you can't quite put quirky, your finger on. Quirky. It's a quirky so, smell. It's a quirky lifting drink. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, as you as you continue on like through the muck and you're dodging these bu- these these bubbles and everything like that, you come to one of those again large looking wells that the owl reported on when it first when it was first flying around. And as you as you walk by it, as you peer into it, that there are several things floating in it. There are several different items and trinkets that that seem to have kind of a quirky kind of a quirky atmosphere about them like um oh yeah, like uh oh n- a knives that look, with the mage knives that hand like butterfly waves and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Reaching with the mage hand and start lifting some of that out to give it a closer examination. Give me please a wisdom save candy 16 cool you're the mage hand isn't able to grasp any of them it looks like it sees like for example like it sees like an empty paper bag that says candy on it and it tries to grab it and the bag like submerges under the water and the mage hand can't get a good grasp on it and and that kind kind of fish from underneath and just lift yeah it's and it's not working not it's very curious you're not able to figure out why that is bizarre the materials in this well appear to be immaterial yeah there's like a there's like an eyeball floating in it that has like a gem in the middle like a whole collection of tiny little plastic dinosaurs that are in this like see-through glass egg you see some like clothing that kind of thing but it all seems very uh, rather strange can Kess see down there Absolutely, yeah. From up on Alari's shoulders. Yep. The wall, the stone wall, so, is about five feet, about five feet up, and it's full of water. These things are corners sitting says, on top. That's strange. That your bag is down there. Quite. Do you think it's a trap? Cass, give me and a wisdom. Uh, a wisdom roll. It is best to always assume that. That was an 18 for my wisdom check. Uh, not knowing how long we're going to be here, I'll start ritually casting detect magic. Mm-hmm. Kess, you seem the items might be might be somewhat useful, but it is just seems to be like a collection of crap, for the for lack of a better term. And candy. One queer thing is that when the mage hand dove dunk uh, dunk below the water level, um, Kess, you saw the water level drop a little bit. 
like it like it, like that's the best way to kind of describe it. The water level dropped, but then came back up to the level that it was at. And Candy, when you pulled the mage hand out of the water to, as if you were trying to get one of the items. The hand had this, the water came with it as the mage hand came out, but it was thicker than water. It looked like maybe, I don't know, it's it, it's thicker than expected. Swamp like regular water. or like sludge nope. or more like oil? Sugar syrup? Give me a nature check, Candy. Viscous? See, see if you can piece together what this is. Thirteen. It's It could be any of those things, but you're not really able to piece together what exactly Since Kess is looking in with him, could Kess do a nature check too? Sure, now that you're looking at the hand, yeah. Yep. Kess isn't feeling very natural, nine. Yep, not really able to piece together, but it's definitely, look, it's not acting quite like water. It's watery, but not quite acting like water. It's just like thicker, maybe stickier. Not really able to piece together what it is that's going on here. While this other stuff is going on, I'm beginning to ritually cast Detect Magic. Yep, yep. that's uh, ten minutes, so there's yeah. no... There's so if they leave yet. before then, I'll follow them, but if we're here for that long, I'll cast it. Seer would like to do a nature check, too, just for curiosity's sake. Sure. Yeah, you're, 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 as you're peering in, there's like a, there's a silver hand mirror with like, the handle is shaped like a like a seahorse. And as, you, as the hand pulls out, yeah. What was the roll on the nature check? Yep. Ten. A ten. Yep, something is... Something's weird about it, but... Y'all know it's weird. Can't quite put your finger on what it is that's weird any, about like, it. Are there any, like, loose sticks, like driftwood or anything like that around? Sure. Absolutely. Alright, I'm gonna pick up a stick and poke at the water. Yeah. When you poke at the water, uh, similar to when Candy, when the hand kind of submerged into the water, when you poke at the water, as you fish around a little bit, try to get some of the items out of it or something like that, after three or four seconds, the water level looks like it drops briefly until the stick is no longer in it, and then slowly fills back up. Guys, this stuff's freaking me out. (laughs) Yes, is nodding. It's a trap. Let's get out of here. Alarai is totally, yeah. Yeah. And having heard those words from Kess, since <laughs> I'm her steed, I'm just gonna, now I have permission, I'm going to walk away. Just continue moving down the path, because I want nothing to do with this. <laughs> okay. Fabulous. So as you all continue walking down the path towards, and you all decided to move towards the hill, right? Not the lake that you're supposed to go to. As you're moving towards the hill, again, just walking on there, the entirety of the environment is filled with this gushing sound as the water level in the swamp that you're at begins falling and so you find yourself that no longer the water is no longer to mid-level it's no longer up to your knee but now it's you're just walking on that kind of uh sludgy gross muck level that's at the bottom of the swamp here with the exception of in front of you a beautifully clear wonderfully crystalline shimmering stream about five feet wide carving its way through the mud in front of you.
Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash TT Journeys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.